Hey up. Um, dead bait audio again. I thought I'd have another go. Um, and you'll notice that if you're one of the 12 people that listened last week, I've no way of knowing how long you listened for. You might have listened for the first five seconds and thought, you know, let's get out of here. Or you might have listened all the way through. I don't know. But if you are one of those 12 people, then you'll notice that the audio quality is significantly better as I've plugged in a microphone. I mean, I did have a microphone last week, but I was that lazy I couldn't go to the, couldn't be bothered to go to the drawer to get it out. So it all feels a bit more purposeful because the microphone's on. And um, to be honest, I don't think it is any more purposeful than last week. Um, I still don't really know why I'm doing this. So but I'm going to try something a bit different than last week. Last week I sort of did a bit of a polemic and talked about um, the role of mindfulness and mental health and society and all of that. And I think this week I'm going to try and be a bit more constructive um, and try and think a little bit about how to, I hate to say this, but, you know, how to add, live a better life. No, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm I'm just trying to make my life seem a little bit more purposeful um, and that not to cost any money. I think that's... Um, something that I want to do, I, and and I'm, I, I thought and I and I quizzed myself and I wrote even wrote a few lists of things that I'd like to talk about and those topics I probably will come and talk about if I carry on doing this in the future. But um, none of them really grabbed me, and they all seemed a little bit like stuff that you know needs a week of research, and I don't have that sort of time in my life. Um, at this point in time. Um, so I thought I'd just kind of reflect on um, day-to-day experience and um, I'll start with a bit of an anecdote about my life um, since last I spoke to the 12 of you that listened. Um, this morning, actually, I, I got up um, and I was quite looking forward to the day because I wasn't working and I had a look on social media and a friend of mine had recommended... Um, a podcast for me to listen to, which was great because this this lad is somebody who um, I've got some esteem for, somebody who you know I respect their thinking, um, and I've known for quite a long time now, and I've had some interesting conversations with and stuff. So it was you know it, it sort of meant something to to have something recommended by them. It was you know somebody who I've got a degree of respect for, um, and it also kind of validated my existence to a certain extent. It reminded me as I looked in the mirror of the internet. I, I somebody reflected back the fact that I exist to me, which is always nice. Um, and anyway, I listened to this podcast. It was all really interesting. Um, if you want to listen to it, it was the Sam Harris one, the latest one about um, digital capitalism with Douglas Rushkoff. And it was all very interesting. Um, it's kind of right up my street and all that. Um, and me and my friend had a bit of a natter about some things within the podcast and it was good because sort of for 10 minutes my life had um a little bit of depth to it we were doing a little bit of um analysis of our own existence a bit of philosophy there and it was great and it made me think about the it made me think quite a lot of things actually the podcast itself covered a lot of ground and in a lot more eloquent and educated way than 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 i can um the podcast itself and the experience of of just discussing it briefly made me think about the function of art in sort of a 21st century digital culture, Um, which sounds very pretentious. But what I mean is that I'm old enough to have lived in a a pre-digital culture and to have lived for a long time 
in a digital culture and and, and i think that the the what what um art has meant to me has shifted slightly it, it made me think in particular about um it made me think in particular about how oddly in a in a world where it's far easier to share things and that um everything is accessible how i've got much less idea about the tastes and interests of quite a lot of the people that i know and what i mean by that is if i go back to my youth in the late 1990s without question my record collection my collection of tapes and cds and records and stuff was shaped by the social group that i was part of in a practical sense not just in that sense that sort of you know cultural studies teachers and media studies textbooks sort of talk about you know shared identity and bonding and all of that by by wearing the same signs and signifiers but in a really practical sense in the sense that i only had x amount of money in which to spend on music and the the fact that my friends owned a particular album and i could tape it you know i had access to that music but they didn't have another album and i couldn't tape that you know that, that they access was more important and therefore i think we all showed a little bit more interest in what each other owned and liked so that you'd go to somebody's house or you'd you know you'd talk about music with somebody and, and you'd actually sort of say what are you into because in a way you were looking for overlaps where you'd share that interest but and possibly in self-interest because you, you, know, you could get hold of something oh you've got that have you do you mind if you take a copy of it and borrow it or whatever and and that was that was quite interesting because it meant that my music collection had had more links to actual people i've still got i mean i've, I've got rid of loads of hundreds and hundreds of, of bits of music over the years because you just you know you can't you can't keep everything you've got and in the digital world it seems a bit pointless but i this week i went through a massive box of cds that belonged to myself and, and my partner and huge box of cds hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them and i went through them and it was quite poignant thing really because there was only about 35 of them out of whatever 400 that were in this box there were only about 35 of them that i really wanted to listen to again but quite a lot of them had connections to people and places you know there was something about the tactile nature and the physical nature of them but there was also something that went beyond that where it, i'd look at a cd and i think oh you know so and so copied that for me um or you know that was a band that i got into through that through them and there's a couple of couple of examples that really spring to mind i found um i really really like the album forever changes by love it's yeah you know, i'm not somebody that's into 60s stuff particularly i'm not really into um psychedelia and that it's not not something I'd, but it's just an album it's beautiful it's really philosophical it's kind of haunting it's beautifully produced and it's it's you know it's it's a lovely lovely record and it's beautifully sung and it's really quite hard to categorize and it's a great record and it reminds me every time i listen to it it reminds me of a particular friend who copied it for me and i'd never heard it before i'd heard of it but i'd probably never have heard it if my mate hadn't gone i think you really like this stuck it on a cd and gave it to me um you know that 
that's 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 a really clear example of what I'm talking about. Um, I can think of other records as well of other artists or bands that that when they come on the radio, I instantly I think of people, um, and I think of the you know maybe the connections that I have with the other people have with me you know they think of particular pieces of music that i'd copied and had given to people and um it's nice you know my my mate who did the love cd for me i, I haven't seen for pr- probably about 12 13 years you know it wasn't my best mate or anything but it was a friendship that was uh, you know for a, a year or so it was a friendship within the context that we both lived in that was i think quite important for us both because we were both you know we were both living away from our hometown we were both you know living in a strange place both sort of drifting along a little bit not really knowing what we wanted to do with our lives and you know we had some really good talks about life the universe and everything and it was you know it was grand at the time um it's nice that 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 music signifies that connection for me um i can think of another random encounter as well where um i used to work um quite a long way away from home and i used to have quite a long journey for this what was a really low paid job and it was it was a bit shit really to be honest because i'd i go quite a long way and then i get a train and then i have to get a bus and I get the bus and I get into my work and then I repeat all the way home. And it, I wasn't even making very much money out of it. But the one pleasure of it was that it was time where I could listen to my music and I'd listen to my um, listen to my disc man in those days. And there was a lad on the bus that I used to get. I'd get the bus every morning. There was this lad there, and one day he said, "Are you listening to such and such a thing?" I think it was. I think it was two lone swordsmen who were a sort of brain dance group uh the group they're not really a group but they're a braid dance um combo there were two of them anyway i think i think it was andrew was it andrew weather or anyway, it don't matter i think it was it was an artist called two lone swordsman um and we we had for about two months we just talked about music and swap recommendations and and it was great because it just gave a sort of human quality to what was a really miserable slog of a day it really was 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 crap and he only had this job for about four months and it was through it was from november to february which was like the worst months to be commuting and just talking to this lad for about 15 to 20 minutes in the morning about music was absolutely fantastic it, it, it was just made my day seem less shit and every time i listen to that record which I don't do very often but every time i listen to this record i just remember i can't even remember what this lad's name was called but i just remember that sort of human connection between two people um and it seems that less and less that i come across that sort of encounter i mean it might be me it might just be um you know i'm more isolated from people i'm older but it it does seem that the easier it has become to come across music the less and less that sort of encounter happens the less and less you sort of get um i can't remember the last time someone came around to my house and went through the the music that i own or sort of I can't remember the last time somebody showed any genuine interest in what you know what what's on my computer or um and it's 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 kind of I don't know there's something really cold about the fact that I have music that I like because an algorithm recommended it to me because I've listened to a particular artist and then something has has come up at the end and I find that quite cold and I find it quite lacking and I was thinking about well, why is that? You know, is 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 there fundamentally something 
wrong or sinister about that i don't know i don't suppose there is but there is something about there's something quite clinical and there's something quite sinister about the way that the algorithms are used for the for music apps are using are using the same sort of algorithms the same sort of data mining that advertisements are using that they've got a set of information on each user so they look at my profile and they look at this thing oh this guy obsessively listens to you know I don't know Mogwai but he also likes um you know he also likes I'm trying to think of stuff that makes me seem really fucking you know outre and and trendy here but um, you know he also likes um Joe Dolce and um Buggles and so that somebody else who obsessively listens to to Mogwai is going to get recommended buggles because i like it and that's kind of the way that advertising works isn't it because it it sort of looks at a group of people it identifies them on some level and it looks at a group of people and it makes predictions on what they'll like and the more data it has the better those predictions are it predicts that you know this person's 27 and they earn this amount of money and those are probably going to be the concerns and your music app's doing the same thing and i find that just i don't know i find that really dehumanizing and 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 something weird about it and it's really easy to slip into nostalgia but i do miss i do miss the sort of existence of music journalism as a as a as a mainstream thing i miss being able to buy easily somebody you know a a a a, a, a cheap guide to new music where certain journalists i'd get a a relationship with over a period of time where they'd write things and i'd think yeah i trust this person you know you'd you'd look at their outlook on life and you'd look at the the, what they wrote about and what they were interested in and you'd sort of get this connection with them the same thing with with um djs you know obviously the cliche is to talk about of somebody of my age to talk about how wonderful john peel was but there is that idea that somebody like john peel was really important because what was great about peel wasn't just that you know he played whatever but it was that he was a very human sounding person that kind of seemed like a bloke who obsessively listened to music and you kind of trusted he, he trusted his ear and and there was a sort of something about there's a little bit of a connection there you know there's a little bit of a connection that went just beyond the fact of playing the music that that john peel's show wouldn't really have worked as well if it was just him picking songs you know him just playing a stream of music you could you know if john peel was an algorithm would it quite have have worked as well and it doesn't feel like it would it doesn't feel like it would have been the same experience that there was something about um who who he was and what his personality was that made it feel like that that program um i should say if you're under 30 john peel was an english dj that was quite incongruous because he was he was like a trendsetter for alternative music till he was about 67 when he i think he was about 67 68 when he died and he was like the the sort of um leading alternative music dj on radio one and had kind of like a really important slot where he'd play lots of new music but he was he kind of wasn't really a he didn't really fit with with what you'd expect that person to be he wasn't kind of like um some uber cool um anonymous seeming you know um jet setting fucking um hipster it was kind of like a grumpy bloke um with a beard and a jumper with a hole in it playing music because he was you know but he just had this ear and he and what was magical about it was 
it felt like that you'd put his program on it, it'd be like a little window of sanity because he was quite you know, he was quite curmudgeonly, but then he'd sort of say, Oh, this is this is really beautiful and you'd kind of think, Yeah, it is actually it is really beautiful. And it, it somehow worked more than an algorithm, that same piece of music produced by an algorithm. I don't know if it would have the same effect on me. As I was thinking, this, this this all got me thinking. This this my mate just recommending something to me, and I'm sure my mate had just you know taken ten seconds of thoughts, thinking, oh, you know, Matt, uh, you know, Matt like this. Um, I'm sure it wasn't you know some kind of deep and meaningful thing, but it, it just triggered this whole thing about how I don't make myself i don't make as much effort to make those connections with people that that i used to you know i can't remember well actually i can remember the last time i put together some sort of music for somebody it was for a mate of mine that was having a really hard time um and i put together some music that i thought he'd like um and gave it to him on a cd and that must have been 12 years ago you know i haven't really done that i haven't really gone out my way to say to somebody Look, you know, here's some things that are beautiful, that are that are special, that are moving. That you know, here they are. It's a little thing for you. You know, I put stuff on social media and that all the time, but it's kind of a just general statement out to the world. And I think I always feel a bit dirty doing it. I always feel a little bit like I'm trying to define myself or make some kind of statement about who I am. And I think that I don't know. It, it's 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 not the same as when you just gave that little gift to somebody, you know, and it's, it's, I don't want to get all trite about it, but it's nice to be nice to other people. It's nice to actually think about somebody else and think about, you know, they might like this. And at the end of the day, surely that's what art is, isn't it? You know, art is that thing where you just, it, it takes your breath away for the moment. It, 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 it means that you're something where you just, for the moment, you feel a sense of peace or that you define something or that you, that you, um, your mind is quiet for a second. And it's, it's brilliant to share that with somebody else. And why have I stopped doing that? You know, what is it that stopped me doing that? Why have I become so obsessed with my own thoughts and my own mind that I actually have forgotten perhaps that other people's brains are going through the same experience as mine and that there's some mutual self-interest in in sharing that so i wanted to be i wanted to be constructive this week after sort of whinging last week into a certain extent about you know mental health and society and that and then so i think this is my first bit of of constructive stuff is i'm going to do something in the next seven days which i'm going to give somebody something and just sort of say i think you like this um and I'm going to do it, I'm not going to do it in a public forum because I think sometimes it always troubles me when when people do benevolent things as a public statement. There's something about that that really I don't like. You know, people say, hey, I've just donated to charity. Why don't you? Fuck off. I'm, you know, I, I don't know. There's something to get that. So I'm just going to do that. I'm going to think of somebody I know. I'm going to think of some music that I've got. It'll probably be music for me. I'm going to think of some music I've got. And I'm just going to give it to them, stick it on a CD or put it on a on a playlist or something and share it with them and go, I thought you'd like this stuff, made it for you in mind. And it feels a bit weird. It really does feel a bit weird because I've got totally out of the habit of doing that. But that was something that wasn't weird to me 15 years ago. You know, it was a perfectly normal thing to do because music was much more scarce and therefore it was 
you know, it was it was grand when somebody did that to you. It, it, it felt nice, and it felt like some there was a reciprocal relationship to some extent with that. You know, we like friends of mine. We used to sort of do like mixtapes of albums, and some of the albums you'd already have, but it was just interesting to know which tracks that your mate liked off the album. You know, and 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 why have we stopped doing that? You know, because we're still as fucking lonely as ever. In fact, more so. And it's 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 kind of nice to have curation. You know, that's something that I feel like we've lost in the world in general is the value of the curator. Um, you know, the internet is kind of a bit like it's a bit like when you go to um, one of those um, uh, reclaim warehouses. And near me, they've got this 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 mad sale on a Sunday where they go like it's the reclaim warehouse sale it's just shit that people literally just shit that they've come out of people's houses and it's stacked up everywhere you can't make any sense out of it you don't know where anything is you don't know what it is and there's no sense of curation at all it's literally just a load of shit hide into a warehouse and the internet feels a bit like that and it's it's in to some extent you know navigating the cultural landscape feels a bit like that and it's quite nice to have stuff curated i'll give you one final example um where um a mate of mine um who i used to work with was really into like um music from bristol sort of trip-hop stuff and it's again it's not really particularly my bag we're talking about it and i was kept saying i don't really know i don't, I don't know artists whatever and he did me a cd of of stuff that he lights 15 tracks long and he was brilliant it was really 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 good and it opened my mind to a genre of music that i that i didn't know about and i discovered lots of stuff i'd never have discovered that the algorithms based on my music taste would ne- wouldn't have found that i wouldn't have known those artists and there's so much stuff out there it's nice to to give people stuff and in a way it doesn't matter you know it doesn't matter if they don't like it and it's also nice for it to be a personal connection where it's not putting it out there for likes or for a response or for a smiley face or for you know how many people like it. it's nice just to be this personal thing between a to b and it's january and january is shit and christmas is gone and kind of there's nothing to look forward to till about april because february and may are cold and windy and freezing and just nothing happens and it's it's rubbish it's just nice to say here's a thing mate i i i have enough esteem for you as a human being to to know that you are somebody with a soul and with feelings who may or may not appreciate some of this have a listen there you go and it just it's just nice and it doesn't cost anything you know it doesn't really cost anything to do that um, and it, and i think that's that's something that i'm going to do and i'm not going to say something shit like hey let me know if you've done it too but if you do it too then then grand um and if you don't don't matter there we go um i'm going to do another bit in a moment but i'm just going to stop for a second to have a drink so i'm going to press pause so you don't get to hear me going like that Okay, so I'm still out and I found myself a beautiful perch. I walked a bit further. It's a beautiful perch. Um, I've not got quite the view now and it's it's nice. It's kind of obscured. I can just see a, a bank of snow in front of me. And then beyond that, just cloud really. The, this thin strip of cloud that's kind of drifting along the top of the, of the bank of snow. On the top of the hill that's covered in snow. And it's absolutely lovely. Um, and there's this gorgeous hazy layered sky in the distance and then a second 
thin bank of more substantial cloud above the hill beyond, if that makes sense, I can see. It's gorgeous. Um, so yeah, in the first part I was talking about the sort of naive economics approach. Um, and now I think what I'm, I'm want to talk about is just how um, the fundamental, you know, again, looking at things naively, the system we have is fundamentally not compatible with human happiness and human progress. Um, and we've known this for quite a long time. I think if you, you know, you read something like Kafka, you have a man talking about working in a, in a, a, a system that completely alienates him for reasons that he doesn't doesn't comprehend other than his own survival um, and that just seems to be a fundamentally depressing state of affairs and I would posit that if we are you know if we are basically miserable we self-medicate with consumerism that's you know that's not a radical observation you know that's just the basis of the deal that we've had since since we stopped farming our own food the basis of the deal we've had is that you know initially it was really shitty deal and it's a better deal than it was initially it was a really shitty deal is if you you know you worked in the mine you could afford to get a bit of gruel and a terraced house with 700 kids um in your bed but at least you weren't freezing on the street um at least you weren't in the poor house um and that deal has got gradually better and it's got to the point where you know we 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 have got, a, to some extent, a pretty good deal because you know you can work your arse off and, and you can have nice things. But ultimately, I don't think those nice things do really bring us a, a deep inner contentment. I don't think those nice things actually really help us find what we want. And I don't think we are. I, I, you know, this idea that humans are insatiably looking for something. I don't think we are insatiably looking for something. I think we just desire a, a balance in life you know work gives us some sort of purpose but that that work you know physical exercise gives us some sort of purpose and um, you know striving towards some sort of goal gives us some kind of purpose but I, that's you know that doesn't mean that we should be doing that 60 hours a week and that all our time is wasted you know if we were living in a world where we haven't got time to stop and think then we're basically denying the very thing that makes us human the very thing that's kind of built our society you know the idea that we have we have as a race conquered or as a species sorry conquered the world um, is built on the fact we can sit and think and reflect and plan and you know it is it, it's that is what makes us human all species can work hard you know if you look in nature you can see um, animals doing undergoing incredible graft working very very hard to you know feed and create homes and burrow and hunt and show an incredible craft and dedication that's not what makes us human you know that sort of presbyterian work ethic is not what makes us human what makes us human is we can sit back and puff on our metaphorical pipes and, and ponder and reflect on what we do and and on the value of what we do and think about why we're doing what we do and, and i think that what we've you know what we've come to at the moment is, is a sort of crossroads of purpose where the narrative we have is that you know life's great buy things but at the same time the narrative is also 
everybody's, you know, there's a huge rise in, in mental health issues. There's a huge rise in kind of dissatisfaction, if you like. And those two things create a certain dissonance. And, you know, what we possibly could do with is, is actually thinking about, well, what would we, do we need all the shit? You know, do we actually... Is it actually fundamentally... Should we admire people that overwork? And I would say no. I would say that, you know, one of the things we have in, in, in our society is a massive mistake is we, we award people for overworking. You know, we say, look at this person, they're aerobically slaving away 75 hours a week. And we should say, fuck, you know what you're doing? That's not the right way to go about it. That's just stupid. You know, we should look at that as as, as a problem because, you know, that, that sets certain expectations and goals you know and I, I really strongly think that we need to consider what the function and purpose of work is you know instead of heroizing the most productive we should be um, you know that that's stekhanovism isn't it you know and what you can say in def- defense of the soviet union was that that was for a goal you know there was a broad acceptance that that was for a social goal and whether or not we agree with that social goal we still have to say the soviet union took enormous steps forward by any you know reasonable economic measure and and th- th- that came with a cost it certainly did i'm not trying to say it didn't but at least you know that's the canavite tendency in the soviet union was for a broader social goal but what we've got is we don't have a sense of a broader social goal we don't set out a sense of a social purpose we don't have a sense of what the narrative is and where we're going and i'm not suggesting that we should you know adopt the soviet union circa 1938 narrative of of where we're going as a society but we you know we we have this bizarre empty philosophy where that we've got this sort of the stekhanovite you know overworked tendencies but at the same time we've got the sort of you know the culture of well-being and the culture of, of self you know and the idea that you know we, we need to have time for ourselves but at the same time we live in this insatiably consumerist society and the only thing to do if you want to live a sane life is to fuck that consumerist society off and and, and actually that shouldn't just simply be an individual thing you know it shouldn't just be people going living in trees and, and in, in tp valleys on you know living off the trust funds and kind of going back to mum and dad's when the van gets cold that's not that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about the the, the idea that we um alter our collective aspirations and how we do that is a very difficult question but I don't think until we alter our collective aspirations we're going to find we're going to find happiness you know and getting back to the naivety of economics if it wasn't so fucking stupidly desirable to have a house to show off and a lovely conservatory and a nice back garden and a view and a patio and a, and a dining room to have your dinner parties in if the houses weren't such a stupid fucking item and we're basically more functional and you know you everybody has to you know a quiet well-made warm house and that's that's it you know then then you wouldn't have this insane housing market you know and you wouldn't have this sort of insane situation where the basic one of the basic tenets of, of, of human existence isn't being fulfilled by the economy you know if you are 19 now and you've taken a job in i don't know care work or sports direct or, or i hate to say sports direct 
apprenticeship in in fruit and veg retail through Marks and Spencers if something sort of thing exists, I don't know, whatever fucking job you've taken, you can't afford a house but you're 19 fucking years old, you know, 20 years old, 25 years old, you're a mature individual, your self-esteem, your happiness requires you to have shelter and security and, you know, you're at an old age where you don't, you can't be happy when you're living under your parents, right? no matter how great your parents are, that's, that's just not fucking right, so the economy is not functioning and we don't seem to be able to make any changes to the economy because any changes to the economy threaten the power to consume of certain groups, you know, if you say, well, let's get rid of, you know, slash house prices, then people go, oh, no, but I want to sell my house for as much money, and I won't be able to buy as many things, but there comes a point where you have to go, well, you, you, your right to buy things is not as important as somebody else's right to shelter, and I think that's where the, the definition of freedom is really interesting, I think the definition of freedom, when we talk about freedom from things, you've got freedom from tyranny, you've got freedom from violent oppression, and, you know, the freedom that we have, what we don't have is freedom from anxiety and freedom from, um, you know, uh, precariousness and freedom from um, doubt about our own material circumstances. But what we do have, the main freedom we have, is freedom to consume. And I think that's where I kind of naively question, is that really the of freedom? You know, if I can walk down the street and, you know, not worry about whether I can afford my next meal, and I can think I've got time to read a book, and I've got time to think, and I've got time to play with my child. That's a much greater freedom to me than the time, you know, the, the right to buy one of five different pairs of jeans or whatever. You know, there's freedom, there's freedom, and what sort of freedom do we actually want? I'm going to stop because I'm getting into full blown again. the off button and I should probably get off this hill because it's you know I don't want to be a frostbite victim and this be the last will and testament of return to that because there's, there's some other examples that have floated around in my head and you can feel free to just say what a dick, you don't know what you're talking about but that's part of the point, I don't know what I'm talking about um, I hope it was a vaguely interesting diversion and I might try this idea of talking about things in different places another time um, yeah, so that was, that was number two